we invite people of all backgrounds to share their stories, their nuanced conversations, and forward thinking, and not taking ourselves too seriously. Everyone's story matters. Every voice is important. Life is polarizing. But not everything is black and white. Come join us as we fade to gray. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, fade to gray. Uh, What is is up? And I am coming here (laughs) with Chris and Omar with an episode with Kyle Butler. Um, Kyle Butler, I know through too many podcasters and... Uh, I'm very, very excited um, about today's interview because I feel Kyle has a lot to share. So oh, yes. how's everybody doing and how's it going, Kyle? I'm doing great. Well, we are so happy to have you here. Um, so we got to interact yes, a little yes. bit on Too Many Podcasters. Is that right? That's right. That's where we met. So, yeah. And I really had a great time um, talking with you and learning more about your story. And in fact, it's in hearing that story um, that I wanted to bring you on today. Um, So with Chris and Omar here, um, I just kind of want to talk a little bit about your story. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about you? Well, uh, my name's Kyle, of course. We already heard that. Um, I'm a former pastor. That's always one of the bigger topics of my life what denomination because uh, that, that's always important oh i was a pentecostal holiness guy oh Ooh, okay. yeah. oh yeah we we were the fanaticals the dancers shouters the speaking in those tongues oh yeah so yeah the I, many tongues many many tongues for long periods Getting of time too. The spirit. oh yeah and if we didn't <laughs> shout meaning dance we didn't have church yet so that's right and that was that was growing up like as a as a child and into your teens yeah 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 okay yeah he was that a pastor was, so you... i mean like i hope he was like yeah, an adult pastor <laughs> well, those holiness like, movements i know they're i've seen some child preachers but <laughs> <laughs> i'm just what at what age um did you start speaking in tongues i'm i'm curious 13 first time <laughs> 13 how old 13 that is, 13. That is yeah. young yeah 13 wow. Wow. How did the utterance like, you know, feel? Was it something that you had been praying for for a while? Was Because, you know, in, in a lot of those Pentecostal holiness churches, it's like if you don't have the spirit, you know, or the gift of tongues, uh, then you probably don't have the spirit living within you. Right. So um, is that something that you, you know, really worked towards and was something that you were really proud of? Tell me about the first time you experienced that. I was in youth camp. And um, it was in the same type of denomination. They probably would, would call themselves non-denominational, but it was in that same type of, you know, flow. So, they, you know, at the youth camp, they had two goals, get you saved and get you filled with the Holy Ghost. And oh, yeah. uh, so every night we have an altar call. And if you weren't already saved, you were either, you were either getting saved or they were, you know, coaching you or teaching you or guiding you how to get the Holy Ghost. Um, so I remember gentleman I still love today his name was Jim so it was his night with me and we were there at the altar and he you know he's coaching me through it just hear what you say go ahead it's there you got it you got it you got it kind of thing and I didn't hear anything I heard nothing and maybe I was too scared I don't even know but then he said to me it might sound like this and I said he said you got it you got it I was like yay 
Oh, okay. Repeat after me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how gotcha. it started. He's and, going uh, for the win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how it started. Like, this kid is good as speak at tongues before I'm done with him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I kind of like was raised in Christianity in a Baptist church, and we used to have this plaque on the wall that would tell us like how much money we got that Sunday, how many people came to Christ yeah. that Sunday. In your church, did they have a plaque that said, this kid got the gift of tongues today? Oh, yeah, <laughs> probably. It, it was <laughs> hidden, though, you know. I remember when the pastor of my church, well, cause we were in Virginia at that time, but when word got back to New Jersey and the pastor we grew up with, when he heard that. I had spoken tongues, had the Holy Ghost, and my sister also, uh, they just had like a Holy Ghost dance party up there. And they found oh, out, yeah. so it was, it was a big deal. Oh, yeah. Man, that's something. And so did you ever like come to a point where it was actually something that you did without the help of someone else kind of like encouraging you oh, yeah. or without mimicking someone. Oh, yeah. so tell me about that experience because I th- we're going to find out a little bit later on that maybe you're not so deep into the fundamentalism of that kind of stuff anymore. And I, and I want to kind of hear, you know, how maybe you reconcile that experience. So was it otherworldly? Was it extra, I guess, like, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Was it supernatural? It seemed to be. Then. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we were taught that you just don't speak in tongues, but the, 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 the real essence of these tongues are to give you power and to help you fight spiritual battles. So, you know, we, we were trained and developed to pray in, in the, in, pray in tongues or pray in the spirit, we would call it. And that was giving us power and anointing. The longer you did it, the more you did it, you know, you, you, you feel like you were getting this power. And then we were also taught to do spiritual warfare with tongues because, you know, we don't know what to pray for. We're dumb. So we got to let the spirit do it. And the spirit knows all these things. So just let the spirit do it. And my pastor, my mentor, love the guy, great respect for him. So I'm not picking on him. Uh, but he, he's always tell us, look, I hardly ever pray in the natural. I, I get on my knees and I just pray in tongues. So you want to emulate what you see in front of you because you think that's the way. And I, I would do the same thing. I would just get on my knees for an hour at a time and just, da, 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 you know, just go through that whole process. And I thought it was supernatural. I, I thought, you know, I was getting this power. I was getting this anointing. But later on, I found out something quite different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wow. It's interesting. I, I just, you know, I've had experiences like that too, because whenever I was part of uh, the Baptist church, you know, we kind of didn't really focus on the spiritual gifts very much. Um, but I would sometimes go to a non-denominational church on Sunday nights and man, they were spirit filled. And so I remember, you know, praying for the gift of tongues and, and finally receiving it. I definitely felt a supernatural, you know, thing happen in me and utterance happen in me, you know, and, and now as a, as a person who, um, you know, doesn't necessarily believe in a literal 
Holy Spirit, um, you know, I, I reconcile that with some sort of brain work, you know, but I, I'm interested to see how you reconcile that here in a little yeah, bit. I'm not okay. sure why me and Seth keep allowing the atheist to keep asking you all the questions, you know, <laughs> <laughs> about, 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 the, about the Holy Spirit. Too. I mean, I think there's probably some triggered, probably triggering Chad if he's watching right now. Um, I know we were having little problems with, I think, things lagging a little bit, maybe. Yeah, and I just moved some things over uh, to try to fix that. But So, 13 is young, man. Thir- to, you know, so, I mean, that, that tells you how, like, steeped you, I mean, you grew up in it. I mean, that's like... Oh, yeah. That's your oh, yeah. first. That's your first year at summer camp, probably because I mean, oh, yeah. that's first year. Yeah, <laughs> um, thirteen. I know we're moving into like you know you mentioned that you eventually deconstructed all that. I just want to mm-hmm. get to the chase. Do you do you still pray in tongues? No, no, not not even, not even. I want to be careful what I say here. Now, if you look at it biblically, you know, if, if we're going to be biblically tonight. Uh, you know, there, there is some language in 1 Corinthians which talks about these tongues as a, as a gift of the Spirit, so on and so forth. Uh, Paul once said, I pray in tongues, I sing in tongues, I do everything in tongues more than anything else. Um, there are also elements before that in Acts where... You know, it's seemingly something happens to these people in this upper room and they get, you know, mighty Russian wind and, you know, something happens and they start speaking these tongues. Well, on the surface, when you read all these things, literally, it really sounds like that's what happened. So a lot of times, biblicans, we read stuff literally and we run after that, which we read literally. Um, But today, what my understanding is, is... I don't, I don't know anymore if, if the tongues, the spiritual language, as it's called, is anything more than just, you know, something we do if we want to. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say it doesn't exist or isn't real, because I did graduate from the da-da-da-da-da to, you know, a more sophisticated, <laughs> a more advanced, a more fluid tongue that you know was more like babble to other people and did you have like multiple tongues too like a war oh, yeah. tongue and a, i had a war tongue i had a, a praise, praise tongue. tongue i had all kind of tongues man <laughs> and what was interesting is the the pastor i grew up under when he would pray for people we'd have our altar call we called it a prayer line all mm-hmm. he would do is pray in tongues over you so he'd grab your mm-hmm. head and you know blah, 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 you know, the whole time and I remember when I became the pastor, I just followed his footsteps. I, I didn't know anything different. And one day, I was getting ready to do that. So I'd been doing this for some time. I've been pastor for some time now, and I've been doing this. And one day, I was getting ready to do the same thing. And I heard loud and clear, no one understands what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> Praying <in> English. <laughs> And I was really startled because I was getting ready to do it. And I heard this inside and I thought, well, that makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but I, was, I remember that I didn't do it that first time. I was too afraid because I'm thinking, but this is all the church knows. So if I just start speaking in English right now, they're going to think something's wrong. But eventually the spirit, the that spirit just kept, left you or something like that. The spirit left me or something, right. 
But that just kept playing on me all that week before the next service. No one knows what the heck you're talking about. Pray in English. And then I started doing that. And then little by little, the tongue just kind of left my life. Or the yeah. use of them, at least. You just didn't want to edify yourself anymore. Yeah. There you go. He didn't want to. He didn't want to. Like, I don't want to be the big man battle. with all the spiritual power. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, you did mention something, and so I went was I had a license to preach with Assemblies of God. So okay. I know about the Pentecostal yeah. praying in tongues, all that different stuff. So something you said though i have to challenge if we're talking biblically i mean you know the same as the god's big on this as well i mean mm-hmm. you have all of acts i mean that's how you know that's how pentecost you know the whole pentecostal thing started so i mean it's right. clearly right there like tongues of fire and they are impressing yeah. you know all the people that didn't speak their languages so uneducated you know like so um like where what was the how do you read that verse now or how do you read that passage now i should say i read that now as i don't think they were speaking unknown tongues number one if they're in a group of people there's probably thousands of people there according to the account because they said three thousand people got saved or whatever so there's thousands of people there so how would everybody know it's an unknown tongue right so i think but the, yeah. what they were actually speaking was a message of love mm. that they had not heard before a message of Come unity, on. a message of oneness with God. I Come think they on. were saying something like, what the heck are these guys talking about? Because mm-hmm. that's what spirit does. Spirit is a revealer. Now I'm spirit, your spirit, we're all spirit, I believe. And when spirit reveals, then you start hearing, seeing, and understanding things that were unknown to you before. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I would, that's how I mm-hmm. would say it. It's, it's, it's allegorical in, in nature, but speaking about a message of love that they were broadcasting to everyone. Oh, I could hear my senior pastor in Wasilla now. <laughs> <laughs> you're going that's you're going straight to hell brother i know i know i've well i've been on that train for a while if there's anything that we need right now with people from different cultures coming together not being able to understand each other is a common love language right, right. Mm-hmm. is that not what we need right now yeah. does it all not feel like love maybe love. we're all speaking a different tongue love is all we and need. And all we need is love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get or into that. You got a you got a sign back there that says "Love Big." Not not to uh, be confused with Big Love. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that philosophy. Okay. Love Big. What is that? Well, in my early years, growing up in church, we lived with a strong belief that we were the ones, we were the right ones. We're the only ones who knew God because we spoke in tongues. We're the Mm -hmm. only ones who, who had the power again, because we spoke in tongues. And I really had a very strong mindset of a Pharisee. I was a young Pharisee. I was cold. I was heartless. I was bitter. I was uncompassionate. I didn't care. Um, I was only concerned about, are you saved? When are you getting saved? If you're not saved and you're not going to 
do right, then I, I, I don't want, I can't be around you. I can't fellowship with you. I can't talk to you. I can't interact with you. I can't come to your house. I mean, I, I can't do any of those things because you're not saved and you don't live a holy life. And now, even though I was developing this mindset of a Pharisee, it was going completely against the nature of Kyle. I'd always been a kind person, a, a tenderhearted person, a person who cares about people. But this religiosity was transforming my mind and my behavior and my, my character into this hard, cold person because that's what I thought God wanted and needed. Well, fortunately, I woke up one day and I realized that what I needed to be was love because that's who I am. I needed to be an expression of who I am. I needed to be love because I am loved and I am love. And so over the past couple of years, as I begin to understand our oneness with source, God, love, or whatever we want to call it, I begin to understand how powerful the energy, the frequency, the, the, the fragrance of love is. And as I started embracing the fact that I'm loved perfectly, unconditionally, without regret, by love, and I've been accepted by this love, then it just became a lot easier for me to be this for everyone else around me. And to, to really share the message without feeling like a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. And and I love Which that. Is so oftentimes I, I feel like as a Christian, it's very hard to show love sometimes without feeling like a hypocrite. Uh, especially with everything that's happened. Uh, well, even within the last, uh, I don't know, uh, week. Um, but, you know, historically, just by the way that uh, Christianity has been portrayed and the way that it's been um, acted out by so many Christians, um, it, yeah, I identify with that a lot. Exactly. Like, what is love? I mean, it's everything you're saying sounds beautiful, but. Also, it's also been weaponized too, because um, I have, didn't read that in no Bible. <laughs> you have scripture, you know, that <laughs> God disciplines those that He loves, you know. So, and you have pastors who, will, in love, you know, want to correct you harshly. Or, you know, you. Yeah, yeah, and, and and it's like, you know, if I don't do this, then I'm not. I loving don't love you. you. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> so, what 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 is love? What is I? And I think that's almost subjective in a way um, to person to person. And, and a lot of times it's there is the idea of a perfect love is fantical pretty much, you know, because we're, we're all fallible people. So what, what does love even really look like? Is it a cop out? Well, <clears throat> for me, and what helped me really kind of put my arms around this. Because I think we've complicated the concept of love. Hmm. Love for me has, a, has one key element that is unilateral to itself and to everything that it's associated with. And that is love does no harm. So what if we just took it from that place alone? So if love does no harm, and I say, I love you, Omar, I, I love you, Chris. I love you, Seth. Well, what I'm saying to you is that I don't want to do anything that's going to cause you any harm. Now, that doesn't mean I have to be around you. That doesn't mean I have to like what you say. That doesn't mean I have to like what you believe. That doesn't mean that I have to, you know, be 
fake and phony and kind of pretend that we're all good, even though deep down inside I have this animosity or this, this resentment or something, some, some negative feeling or frequency or vibration running through me. It, it doesn't mean that I have to act as if we're intimate or we're passionate with one another, or we passionately like one another. It doesn't mean any of that. And I think that's how we've complicated this thing. Love, to me, at its, at its core, in its, its, its simplicity, just says, I, I'm not going to do you any harm. So if I don't like something you're saying or doing, then I'm not going to harm you with my words about it. I'm just going to choose to, let's say if we're on Facebook, I'm just going to choose to scroll <laughs> there's on. No, there's right? no love there. You can't, you can't love on Facebook. What, what, what is that? It's impossible. You know, I don't have to pause, put down my coffee or my drink or my joint or whatever I'm doing and, <laughs> and tell everybody how wrong they are and how right I am. Right? Yeah. yeah. I don't have I'm to learning do that. that. It's so tempting. Yeah. Because love does no harm. It really right? is. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's such a hard concept right now. It's like, you know, everyone's of the mindset of if you don't think exactly like I think, you're the enemy. It's right. so duplicitous. It you know, it's it's interesting how that's kind of like what social media has turned into is is a who's right, who's wrong, you know, who can we cancel kind of thing. Right. And sometimes I get caught up in that and that's gross. I feel disgusted. I want to take a bath after getting on Facebook sometimes because it's just such a shitty way to communicate. Yeah. You know, you don't get to see the physicality of someone's face or look in their eyes when you're when you're tearing them down on Facebook. Right. You don't get to see the emotion in their face or the humanity in their voice. You don't get to hear it. You don't get to hear the tone uh, of, you know, that's why Facebook is always going to be, first of all, words are a terrible device for communication. Anyway, um, we talk about love, like in English, we have literally one word for it, right. right? That covers the gamut. I love you, Omar, but that's not the same love as I love my wife, but we use the same word. Right. It's fallible. It doesn't even measure what we really want it to measure. Right. Um, you know, I'm a linguist in Spanish. There's two words that people use. So it's just different on culture too. uh, how you portray your love. I talked about this with Kara on the conquest of bliss Preach. podcast. Shout out to her. Um, but you know, it's, it, <laughs> it's just interesting, you know, like we're, We've got to do, I love this, man. You're, you're preaching to me because like, I find myself, you know, getting caught up in, in that whole like Facebook thing or, or that whole like not loving people and wanting to assert my, you know, uh, uh, better opinion on people, you know, or whatever. And it's not better. My opinion's shitty, you know, like, fuck me. Who am I? I'm just a person, you know, who, who has fallible thoughts and shit. Like I'm no better than anyone. Why do I think I can tell you, you know, that you're wrong? Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. Yeah. It's absolute lunacy, but we do it and we get caught up in it. Like, why do I not like this person? Why? I can just choose to love them by not causing them grief or whatever, yeah. you know, like, uh, I'm sorry. I went on a rant. No, that's a good one, man. I think you needed to Chris. Yeah. I, You're doing great. I, Kyle. I, Thank I, you. I forgive you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love you. I feel like we all should just like. I appreciate that. Hug Chris. It's nice. That's good. <laughs> well, and I, I really like how you brought up that different languages have multiple words yeah. to yeah. communicate love. Uh, I mean, like, I you know, agape, 
um, you know, these different types. And I don't even know what language that is, which that's how Greek, that's how Greek. far is it. I've been so far removed from uh, fundamental <laughs> Christianity. I don't even Phileo, remember agape. what language and... stuff is in. Um, but it is interesting that the English language breaks it down to just one. And, and what do we lose in that? Um, it's almost like I, I say I love someone, but I also love my car. Uh, (laughs) those are two very different things. Um, and my feelings around that are very different. Um, and further, I really like this idea of defining love around lack of harm or lack of, um, pain or suffering to someone else. Um, because even, you know, for people I care about, you know, sometimes I may do something that does harm them in a way. Right. Um, But if I really love them, if I really care for them, if I care how my actions are going to impact them, that will change my behavior. So I think that that is a great definition. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a message everybody needs to hear right now. You know, it's just such a shitty time. And if we can just say, you know what, like, despite all this shit that's going on, you know, we've been locked up for three months. People are being brutalized in the street. You know, black people are being taken advantage of, not being treated equally. If we could all just take on that love mentality, yeah. you know, if we could just adopt that, maybe we could see some change. It's like a lot of those Facebook people who are saying, no, it's all lives matter. You know, it's like, dude, just fucking love people, man, and stop getting offended that but we say what, people's what, life what if matter? their argument is that they are loving people they're loving all people oh well they're That's, not they're not yeah you can't love all people until you love black people i mean you got to love each people individually i think before you can love everyone so and you know what yeah. uh, i'm ahead, sorry Kyle. no you but you know in in the if we want to call this a movement you know <clears throat> whatever this is whatever this has been from our time here in America, the only thing we want, the only thing we desire is equality. We don't want anything from anyone. We're not telling you to give us your job. We're not telling you to give us your home. We're not telling you to pay us back from some slavery from three, 400 years ago, whatever it was. We're not telling you we want anything of you. We don't want any Anything you have, we don't want your possessions, we don't want your family, we don't want your lifestyle, we don't want that. All we want is equality. So even for those that say, well, no, all lives matter. Well, if they do, then why are we treated indifferently? Yeah, or kids in cages. Right, Right. exactly, right? So, you know, you wanna say this to kind of deviate the attention from what we're saying, because we're not saying our lives matter more or our lives should be valued greater. We're just saying our lives matter too. And when, in this case, police officers, of course, not all of them, but when police officers are interacting with us and, and engaging with us for whatever the reason is, we're just saying that we should not be ending, ending up on the dead end of the equation over and over and over and over and over again. There was a, 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 a Facebook meme or a meme going around, I saw it on Facebook, and it was a lady who was holding up a sign that said, dear officers, please stop killing our black men. This was taken at a rally 
55 years ago. 55 years ago, this picture was taken. So when we say Black Lives Matter, we're saying, can everyone get on the consciousness of this? Can everyone wake up and, and realize what we're saying? Because historically speaking, and in the case with some of these situations with officers, it's very evident, very clear, that in these particular situations, our lives don't matter. And all lives don't matter either in that, at that particular point. So that's all we're saying. Yeah, that's good, man. Um, you know, I, I do want to bring it, if it's cool with everyone, I'd like to bring it back to the, the topic of God, though. Yeah. You guys cool with that? Anybody I mean, else Chris, have any more to say I, about I that? Have, I will never complain about you talking <laughs> about God. Please enlighten us. I will, No, I just don't want to keep anybody from talking about you know anything they want to talk about. No, go for it. Okay. So I'm curious, you know, now that we're talking about love is the thing that you need to do. And I know that the Bible says God is love, right? God is love. But it seems to me like you've kind of moved past the fundamentalism of, you know, I don't know. Do you, do you find the Bible to be inerrant? <laughs> for, for those that what did you just say can't about see. My mama? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, <clears throat> no, not at all. Now, okay. let's think about this for a moment. Yeah. How did we come to believe that? Somebody told us. Yeah. Right? And we said, oh, it is. It's the word of God. It's infallible. It's inerrant. Okay. Okay. And we just believed it because someone told us. But the book itself doesn't even tell us that. And when you, when you start to wake up a little bit or awaken and you start looking at things, simply because you start thinking and you start saying, well, wait a minute, there's these conflicts here. There's, there's, and, and you know, we're also told from cover to cover, there's no conflicts. <laughs> Everything is in <laughs> unity. There, there's no contradictions from cover to cover. We're told. Now, whose voice was that you were just doing? Is that your ex-pastor? <laughs> yeah, <my> ex <laughs> <laughs> we're told that. And, and we don't, we don't even give it a thought. And not that, and it's not because, we we think we should because we're hearing this from trusted voices people we trust you know and once we start to take a look at stuff though it becomes very evident and very clear that it's not that way it can't be that way especially when you consider the biggest key element to the whole thing it was written by men yes absolutely <laughs> so, but it was God breathed. It was inspired. Yeah. Right. Well, it was written by men, but they were inspired. And because it was inspired, because it was God breathed, it has to be infallible. I'm inspired. You're inspired. Chris is inspired. Omar is inspired. We're all inspired. We're all God breathed. But okay. has everything we've ever said about God been accurate? Well, of course not. Have you met Chris? <laughs> I mean, we're all God breathed. We're all inspired by that definition. 
but we all have never at one point in time or throughout our entirety so far, we've never had a right view of God. So even though we're inspired and we're God breathed, we've, you know, called God a, a, a sadistic, maniacal narcissist who, you know, is, is, is thirsty for worship 24 hours a day. Cause <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to worship this God thing. Right. And, uh, you know, we clapped our hands to that. Yeah. God is worthy of the praise. He deserves our praise until you start waking up one day and you say, well, wait a minute. If someone gave you a job, Chris, and said, okay, I'll give you this job. But every day, you got to come into my office, get on your knees, and thank me for giving you this job. What are you going to think <laughs> about the person who just hired you? <laughs> I'm going to go somewhere else, man. Right? <laughs> You're going to be like, I'm sorry, you want me to do what? <laughs> every day? Not, not the first day, but every day. I got to come into your office, get on my knees, and thank you for giving me this job. And not only that, once I'm dead, I have to do it 24-7. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I don't, I don't view the Bible that way. And I don't think we should. I think it's dangerous when we do. Um, because if we do, my interpretation of what I'm reading can cause all kind of hell. Because if I read something oh, yeah. one way and I stand flat-footed and say, this is the word of God. God's word can't lie, but it's my interpretation of it. Man, I can lead people to do anything based upon my interpretation. We've seen that happen over and over and over and over and over and over and oh, over yeah. again, right? Hey, oh, yeah. give me your money because your money's a seed. And you know, if you give it God, if you, if you give me this seed, God will take that seed and he'll multiply because the Bible says, you know, right. given it shall be given, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run over, so God add to your bosom. Ha ha. Or, you know, kind of a thing, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie, Kyle, just the fact of how you said that I'm feeling the spirit right now. Uh, I think I might have a come to Jesus moment. Keep going. Well, I can preach it. I can uh, we preach could, you happy now. We could, we could get Chris saved by the end of this chat if we really play our cards right. It's so funny, Seth, what you're hearing and what I'm hearing are completely different because what I'm hearing is God is not, you know, the God that we think he is according to what the Bible says. That's what I'm hearing. And what you're hearing is, oh, it's time to come to Jesus. <laughs> I just heard I just heard the way in which you said it and I was motivated. I, I wasn't paying attention to the, I mean, I was paying attention to the content. <laughs> But what I'm saying is, I'm so is, happy you, that you admitted that, Seth. I, no, I am paying attention to the content. Um, what I'm saying is, the way in which you said it got me all right. Yeah. Dad, I, I feel like I'm I, I the, the classic Seth move there. I, I sorry, my uh, wife and kids just came home, so I went to go say hi to them. And uh, but what what did I miss, did, Seth? Did, did you ask a question that somebody else had just asked? <laughs> no, no, no. Kyle was talking about how. God is different than, you know, what the, the Bible says he is basically. And Seth says, oh, you're preaching. I feel like I'm about to come to Jesus, to which I said, I'm, I, I'm getting a completely different message. And Seth said, oh, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> to the content, what I'm paying attention to is the voice. The but I think you bring it. up a really good point. So, okay. I've asked this question on many of our podcasts, and I'm going to try to phrase this in a new way that makes more sense. Um, but Kyle, like, you know, having grown up in the church, having been a pastor for, for so many years. Seth is obsessed with the Bible. Shut up. 
having having had this experience, um, and, and really, I mean, yes, there have been things that it sounds like have been difficult or that have made you challenge and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but all in all, I mean, in, in your message of love, I mean, I'm really hearing, I'm hearing Christ. Right. So, so I mean, even though you're deconstructing, even though you're looking at things differently, your faith still still seems to be intact. Is that correct? Yeah, because my faith is no longer in a book or an mm-hmm. interpretation of a book. My, my faith mm-hmm. is, is not even in a savior. My faith okay, come on. is in the understanding or the knowing that I am as Jesus was. I'm a Christ. I am what Jesus was. There and, you go. And much just like Jesus, Jesus had to discover who he was by taking a journey within himself where our truth lies. It's our universe, it's our heaven. And I think those 18 missing years, from, so we get the story at 12 and we see this reemergence at 13, I'm sorry, 30. And I think what happened was he was well on his way to becoming the legalistic asshole that all those other legalistic assholes were in his day. And he ventured outside of his surroundings. And when he got out there, he started encountering different cultures and different beliefs. And these different cultures and different beliefs were pointing him to the Christ within him. And I think once he discovered who he was, that's where that verse comes into play for me. I came to my own and they didn't receive me. Well, why not? Because I wasn't talking like they talked. I wasn't talking like the religious elite of that day. I wasn't talking like the law-loving, Moses-loving other teachers of that day. I came back to my own people after discovering from within myself that I am a Christ. Now I want you to know who you are too. And ultimately that message got him killed. So my faith is intact, but not in any of the things they were once intact to or tied to, not to prayer, not to fasting, not to reading my Bible, not to going to church, not to worshiping, not to any of those rudimentary elementary, you know, first day of school, first day of church things. I am solely in my knowing that I'm one with God. I'm a Christ. I've never been separated. I'm a love being. I've been created by love, for love, and to love. That's who I am. And that's all I ever need to be or ever needed to be. So, okay. So, and this, you're going right where my, where my next question was leading. Um, Where, so for me, my faith growing up was so rooted in all of those things, right? right? It was so rooted in the church. It was so rooted in scripture. In fundamentalism. So in, in fasting, in prayer, yeah. in Bible study, in quiet time, in worship. Like there were all of these uh, activities, right, that pointed me to, to Christ. Since stepping away from the church to some degree, I'm still claiming my belief in God. I'm still claiming my faith. But I have deconstructed in in many of the same ways that you have. Um, but as I've deconstructed, I sometimes look around and I'm like, "Is this really all this is?" 
Um, is this really all there is to this? Um, so my question is, having gone through this deconstruction process, um, in maintaining your faith, what does this practically look like? Um, where are you getting your certainty uh, th- that Christ is? He wants to know what worship songs you sing. No, I'm not. I'm asking, <laughs> where are you getting your certainty? It, because the question, so much of did, my life, my there? certainty, kind of. Because okay. my That's certainty my has always too. been in these other things. So, like, how, how, you know, how did you get there? How did you <laughs> reconstruct? How did you get there? Um, <clears throat> it started in 2008. I heard one thing that changed my life forever. And it was simply, son, you have no idea how big my grace is. At that time, I, I didn't. I, all I knew were the couple of scriptures about grace. My grace is sufficient. By grace, you have been saved. That's all I knew about grace. We had never taught grace. We had never studied grace. We had never heard a grace message or anything like that. So I was also always taught never to respond when you hear God speak to you. Just listen. That's all you do. You just listen. But this day, when I heard, son, you have no idea how big my grace is. Just out of almost a, a unnatural reflex, I said, show me. And then that's where the journey started. So it, it wasn't like I woke up the next day deconstructed it was moments where i would hear something that would challenge a belief or practice i'll give you one quick example i had always lived under great condemnation because i never felt like i was doing enough praying enough fasting enough studying enough you know all those things i was taught you had to do to be a powerful man of god to be a good leader and all that stuff right i could never seem to get that right I set my alarm clock for 6 a.m., try that for a week or a half, fail on that attempt. Okay, before I go to bed every night, I mean, I had been through every ritualistic type of program to try to train myself to pray like a man of God prays, at least what I thought. I remember one day I'm laying across my bed and, and again, I'm feeling dejected and this condemnation that's all over me, which I thought at the time was God. I thought it was God saying, son, you're blowing it, son. Son, you know, you're not studying enough. You're not reading enough. Come on, I need more from you. And I'm laying across the bed and I'm like, in one of these sad moments again, I'm broken, I'm dejected. I'm like, God, I've I've tried this. I just can't get it right. And I heard, son, when are you going to trust that you already have everything inside of you to do whatever you want to do? And again, one of those moments like ping. And instinctively, I knew exactly what it was saying. And when I heard it, I jumped up off the bed and I said, that's right. Wait a minute. I've been given everything that I need to get this task accomplished. So it was moments like that. I would hear something and it would challenge a belief or it would change instantly, change a belief. And then I would just take those little steps. And I discovered and decided that every time I did that, I found more peace. But then I got addicted to the peace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just kept going. Wow. Um, 
Man, that's really yeah. familiar because, you know, I came to a point and I was a fundamentalist too, you know, at one point. And I, I had to come to the point where I was just like, I've got to do something. And, you know, I didn't do the same thing you did where I where I didn't hear God, you know, tell me, hey, you know, you, you haven't experienced my grace or whatever. Um, what I did was I just had to let all of that go. I had to let all of that religious fundamentalism go. And the way that I did that was to simply say, there must not be a God, you know. And for me... That was extremely cathartic and like a salvation experience in and of itself because I was able to take the weight of all of that fundamentalism off my shoulders and say, oh my God, I can breathe, you know, like the weight of that, of what the church puts on people, of what fundamentalism puts on people, the law that you have to follow according to the Bible, you know, the works based stuff is so burdensome and heavy. And I'd always heard that Jesus's yoke was light, but I didn't feel that, you know, I didn't feel that. It's interesting. We've kind of come to a similar place, you know, a little bit different thoughts on things, but the fact that when we gave it up, we felt so much better, Seth. Right. Uh, similar story, except one of you is going to heaven and one of you is going to hell. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, similar story, but different outcome. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something profound, but okay. That was actually pretty yeah. good. I, 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 as far as <laughs> South Jokes go, I liked it. Man. Yeah, it was good. I, I've been quiet. I mean, you guys have been all over the place. It's been really good. The thing that I've been really camping out on though and really just like hearing you speak Kyle um because love has always been like my big thing too um when I was doing my whole Pentecostal thing that was always my first powerful God moment was in Toronto Canada and I'm hugging people and they're falling out in spirit you know like all over the Mm. place and so like was that that, the Toronto uh, yeah, revival? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Air, Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship or whatever, the um, Carol Arnett and all those guys. I think uh, Lyndall Cooley was there at the time. George uh, Georgian Banoff was up there. Uh, Heidi Baker was there. It was, it was lit. It was litty for as far as uh, all that stuff goes. <laughs> um, but that was my first experience of, like, you know, people, like, like having prophetic words and visions and, I had a really amazing love story. Like that was that was my revelation. That's probably why I'm still considering myself a Christian. If I'm going to be honest, um, mm-hmm. is because that is so in, like impactful and important to me that I I don't know how to explain it. Um, right. I mean, like I said, we've been all over a place from tongues to Facebook to <laughs> you know racial stuff, um, and but you know we keep going back to like you know centering on like. Well, how does love respond? And um, right. I've asked questions like, well, you know, is it a cop out? Because what does love look like? Because people use love and they use God to do a lot of horrible things, to justify a lot yeah. of horrible actions. And right. um, I mean, I have four kids and I was raised, you know, that, you know, you 
have to discipline your children and spanking. And, you know, like I really question a lot of that now. I like to be able to threaten to spank them, but like, I mean, I don't like hitting my child. You're like, I don't know that that's what spare the rod, spoil the child, but I don't know. I mean, I don't, there's, there's arguments for both, I guess, but it's kind of like what my heart says, you know, I was like, I don't want to hit my child. That's the last thing that like I want to do. Like, and so like, um, Kyle, There's so much that I want to say in so many different directions. I, I see like multiple paths and I'm like, if I go this way, then we're not going to be able to talk about this if I go this way. So, um, love. And you still, you've deconstructed the Bible. The Bible, um, it sounds like you're really similar in the areas that I've, I've landed in. Um, but I have a question about the whole hearing God's voice thing. If we can go there, um, sure. like how, why is that not just you? Like, why is that not just you having good thoughts that are leading you? Like, I mean, like as far as like, as you've deconstructed, I don't know if that's, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to push you over to the ledge to be like Chris or anything like that. <laughs> but I mean, you guys are very, you guys have landed in very similar areas and like how, can you be sure that 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 voice that's asking you about grace isn't just like you kind of come into your senses? Well, it it was me. See, I, I, was, I can say that today, but then based upon where I was and my understanding, okay. I thought it was God. Okay. See, <laughs> because I understand now that I'm a spirit being. So the spirit I am, I know all things. Hmm. There is no lack. There is no confusion. There is no misunderstanding. There's nothing I don't know as a spirit being. And, and housed in this body is a spirit being. Now, <clears throat> I don't hear things like that anymore as, or I don't identify it as God anymore that way, but I still hear, right? Okay. So, for example, I'll hear an idea, business idea, right? Just, I just recently heard a business idea, like you should do this. And I thought, oh, okay, I, I've heard that before. I should, I should pay attention to that. I should really pay attention to that. I've heard that before. So I, I understand that it's the spirit in me, who I am, who already knows what I need to do, where I need to be, whatever it is, it knows all things. And that's, you know, again, when we start to, to, to maybe look at some of the things that Jesus said, not as a savior, but as a teacher or as someone who went through an experience and now is sharing things from that experience. And he says, listen, spirit knows all things and it will show you all things. I think he was saying in this case, this is how I understand what I understand. This is how I know what I know. Spirit revealed it to me from within. Now, the, the, the language and the verbiage doesn't necessarily say it that way today, but that's how it can be interpreted. Um, and that's probably, you know, let me say it like this. I think if, if we wrote the Bible today, you would have a lot of wording in there about meditation, chakras, vibrations, frequencies, all of these things that we talk about now so, so, so 
frequently and we're understanding. I think if the Bible was written today, that type of language would be in there and it'd be talking about these things. So <clears throat> that, that's my, my answer there, Omar. It, it was me. I just was trained at that point to anytime I heard something good like that or, you know, that I thought was, was godly, I just always credited to God. Is that what the mediums would call like clairvoyance? Like you just kind of like tune into reality and, and you pick up on it kind of thing or what? Yeah, I think it's, it's all part of that too. I mean, it's, it's still all is activity in the spirit realm, the unseen yeah. realm, the realm that we're, we're part of, but we're so trained in our natural senses, right? So this, this sensory realm, we're, we're so developed in this sensory realm. We're so severely underdeveloped in our spirit realm, the invisible realm, the realm where everything is happening. Everything happens in the spirit realm and it, it becomes a visible reality to us one day. And spirituality is not about going to church and reading your Bible, all those things we were taught spirituality was, oh, you're spiritual. That is, that is just a, a, you know, for a large part of my understanding today for me, it's a colossal waste of time. Yeah. I mean, it, I can't reflect back to one Bible study, one church service, one prayer session, one all-night prayer, one fast. I can't reflect back to one worship service, one foot washing service. I can't reflect back to one thing I ever did that was like, oh, my God, that changed my life forever. And I'm not taking anything away from your experience, Omar. I'm just saying, like, for me, right, because I grew up in this. I was around it all the time. To me, it was just like part of the show right so my my come the moment jesus wasn't anything spectacular the the, the you know the, the speaking in tongues things for the first time wasn't anything spectacular the first time i fell out in the spirit nothing spectacular I, I i don't have a moment where i can say oh my god i went to this church and i got we had a moment right there now i've never been the same now i thought i had those moments i thought i this time when i got laid in the slain in the spirit ah this one's different ah this one right here this is gonna change everything you know, until I woke up and went back home and <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And, and yeah, let me like, cause I, I guess I didn't finish that story either because I was never a person ever that like actually got like hands laid on me and I'd fall over. Um, I wanted it to be. And so the first few times like I did, because I'm like, that's what you're supposed to do. But I'm like, um, you know, this, then I just like, you know, like, must, how long am I supposed to be down here? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying to yeah, like, yeah, figure yeah. this out. Like, how long is God doing the surgery for? You know, I don't feel anything. Yeah. Um, but, like, so for me, it was more like I was just halfway through the conference and, like, desperate for something to feel something. I'm like, yeah, what is, like, it just was meaning nothing to me. You know, it was the same thing over because I was kind of deep in all this as well. Um, and then I went and sat on a a guy who was kind of like, I guess you'd be a youth pastor at the time. Just, just somebody that didn't really look at him as that much of like a pastor, but just as an older friend, he was an old deadhead and stuff as well. And so I kind of relate to him on that level. Um, and I remember just sitting on his lap and just, I just started bawling. And then for the rest of the week that I was there, I was either crying or laughing and I don't remember really any of it, but apparently like I could have ran for mayor just because of like the charismatic shit that was going on in, in me. So, um, 
So yeah, so that's why it's like it was a big deal. But like, I don't know what any of it meant. I remember laying on the ground crying over like, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, you know. And so that's why just the simplicity of like your message hits so home with me. Like I didn't have like any great spiritual powers, and I prayed in tongues and do prophetic words, and I was trained how to how to do all that. But it was always one of those things like, but the greatest of this these is love, and so I always felt like, well, like that was like my spiritual gift and so i was able to and being of mixed race able to kind of like get into multiple doors and get into places where other people couldn't so i've always been feeling anyway i don't know why i'm talking so much about myself i really don't i just i i don't know but i just want to validate you though i do think that is one of your gifts yeah yeah, yeah. so i apologize I, I really don't know I, other than like i mean you've gotten me I mean, the climate of with what Chris was saying about stuff on Facebook and how I've always wanted to represent myself as somebody who loves and I've gotten caught up in like all the drama, you know, the whole the Black Lives Matter and arguing with people that are well me. It's just it's just inhuman. And I've had to step back myself. And we were having this conversation earlier because I'm like, I think it's okay to like not have an opinion for a little while. It's okay to like not have to like take a side. It's just, it's getting crazy. It's getting crazy. Like it's, and, and no amount of talking like on Facebook seems like it's making anything better. It just seems like it's making things worse. Oh, it won't. It's making it worse. (laughs) The memes are getting worse. So anyway, so, um, (laughs) not even funny anymore. I'm I'm at the point where I'm like, well, what, what really matters and what do I want to do and how do I want to be remembered? And everything that you're saying is, is what's real. You know, that's how I want to be remembered. We keep, people keep like using both sides or trying to quote Martin Luther King right now, you know, like, (laughs) like to justify whatever they want to justify. They're like, it's, and, and, and I guess that's where, why I want to talk for hours with you about, about these ideas, because I, all I see is like, well, what about this? Or what about that? So this is going to be my, my last question. And then you guys like, what about those with flawed views of love? What about those who can't love themselves? You seem like a very level-headed dude. And so like the things you're saying, although it could be like, oh, he's like hearing the voice of God, just telling him to do this. And that's what, that's what got him away from going to church. And so like, there's a lot of people that could just scoff that way. I mean, you seem very level-headed, but then the holes are, what if somebody comes is more broken, doesn't understand, like, are they to trust that voice as well? Like, or how, how does that, how does that work? Does that make sense? Like, is it, and how do you love those people? It's not practical. Is that practical for everybody? <laughs> it sounds great, but like, yeah, are there unlovable or are people who that can't actually love? You know, I <clears throat> I don't believe that there are any unlovable people, and that's my truth. I don't believe that there's people who are really bad. I know we, we do bad things. I I would sum everything up to everyone's existence, to everyone's journey, to, to everyone's experience. Everyone is a love being. Everyone is a light being. Everyone just doesn't know it yet. And 
the message, and there's been many messengers, but the one we're probably most familiar with is Jesus. So the message was not that you're bad, you're rotten to the core, and you need some transformation, some supernatural from on high transformation to make you acceptable. And then once this transformation makes you acceptable, then you're going to get training on how to be a good little boy and girl. <laughs> that was not the message. The message can be found easily in John 17, where Jesus, because of revelation from spirit within, realized he was one with God and realized that every person was also one with God. Now, this was before the cross, Jesus is saying this. So the, the, the effed up message we received was, you need the cross experience in order to be something. You need the cross experience in order to change your life. You need the cross experience in order to, to, to be accepted. Well, the problem with that is a small portion of humanity will only have a cross experience. What about everybody else? So what if we went about our daily experiences just being love? And love does what love does. And we respond to love. I mean, how many times you've been out and you see someone you've never saw before and they, they start to engage you in conversation or they, they smile at you and say hello, whatever it might be. And no matter how you're feeling at that moment, an act of kindness just kind of peps you up, makes you feel good, gives you hope. I was at this Dunkin' Donuts today getting my afternoon coffee and I'm standing in line. We got our mask on and a, a white gentleman is in front of me. And I'm living, this city is pretty urban, pretty much black and Hispanic, you know, with a few white people. Was he a cop? And so, and he was a cop. Yeah. He was a cop. I, like, I saw you know, the, the you're, gun you're, on the You're on at the, the donuts side, place, right? so I figured that's where we were right, going. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he was in plain clothes. He was in plain clothes. And so I walked in and I saw him. We greeted each other's eyes. We said hello. And he, he was whistling or doing something. I was kind of looking at my phone, waiting to be served. And right as they were asking him what he wanted, this white stranger cop turns to me and says, what did you have it? And I said, large black. And he says, I got his. And so whatever I was thinking about cops per se, right? If I, if I was having a bad cop day, Man, these cops hate us, man. You know, all of them are dirty, nasty, son of a, you know. Well, if, if, I, if I was having a really bad cop moment or day, and this cop gave me this random act of kindness, man, that has to do something to me. That has to get me to rethink, start, at least start to rethink my inks a little bit here. So everyone is good, I believe. Everyone may not know it. And I think when we trigger these, this goodness in other people just by being good to the best we can, that's where the message gets received by all. And that's where this change that we're so desperately desiring really begins to come from. All right, Prophet Butler. 
I just got saved. I mean, okay. Yeah, let's talk. Uh, Cal, yeah, nope. Let's keep uh, altar call. Keep going. Keep going. No, I mean, Don't I mean you, can't, you can't really Cal, argue with that. a beautiful that. message, man. You really can't argue yeah, with that. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. Like, if there's something, you know, that's more hopeful than that, tell me what it is because I don't know it. You know, I think that's beautiful. And I think that's what that message is what the world needs right now, yeah. you know, is that, hey, man, you're good. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. You know, stop stop with all that nonsense. Come on. Right. Let's be cool with each other. Yeah. You know, respect. So when's the book come out? Man, that's beautiful. <laughs> I've been writing a book for the last 15, 20 years. I think, the, wor- I think the world needs it right now. Yeah. I think it's ready. <laughs> so, and uh, what are what Cal, are you doing if, though? As far as uh, you're a podcaster, right? Well, I, I have a podcast. I'm just beginning. Oh, okay. So, but I, I, I and you've been, you've been on yeah, too many I'm podcasts. Yeah, with a few Cal, other don't... groups that you know we do talk and yeah. get together like that. But I don't have my own specific one yet, or at least not established up and running. And I know it's giving you a hard time about you hearing God's voice, but I mean it's pretty awesome you came to that on your own. So. Um, I think Seth's about to answer, ask the same question. So uh, um, let me know if I'm wrong, Seth. But like, um, but how is there a way that people can, you know, get in contact with you? Or is there a, is there a way that like you can get your message out? Because I think like, you know, we're talking about your, this message of love is something that I think everybody needs to hear. Um, and so how can how can people get at you or how can we help spread that message? Uh, you go to my website, um, kylelbutler.com. And from there, there's some content there, but not a whole lot. But from there, you can get to all my social media plugs. And Facebook is what I use the most. You know, um, I, I actually love Facebook. <laughs> I think Facebook is a, is a fantastic tool, but it's only a tool, right? And it's like all tools, Depends on how to use them. I'm a contractor, so I have a bunch of tools, and you know, not every tool does the same thing. So I'm, I'm going to start laying some tile over the next few days. So I'm not going to bring my drill to lay tile. You know, I'll bring my tile cutter, right? So Facebook is a tool, and I use it specifically to try to spread the message of love. Okay, and so I enjoy Facebook, and so you can find me through my website. You can find me, you can find my Facebook link through my website, kylelbutler.com. Go there, click the Facebook button. It'll take you to my page. You can send a friend request or inbox me or whatever. And I'll try my best to get back to you if you inbox me. And I'll try my best to be a pleasant person if we become friends. And uh, I'll, I'll value your opinion and I'll va- value your view and I'll value your perspective. And I won't tell you that you're wrong, and I won't tell you that I'm right. I won't tell you that you need to go read your Bible and you need to go get saved. I won't tell you any of those kind of things. I'll hear you, and I'll, all I ask in return is that you do the same for me. And in the event that you don't, we'll keep at it until we can get there together. I love that. Yeah. What would you say, and, and this will be the last thing I ask too, but you know, we have a lot of people in our community who are trying to figure out what to do with their faith. Um, they, a, a lot of them have experienced religious trauma, you know, or have been hurt by the church. What would you say to people about where they're at and like how they get out of that funk? Well, I've come to understand that this is a journey and we're all on a journey. 
and no journey is the same. And part of the problem with church is they want to tell you how to do your journey. And that's what brings the trauma. That's what hurts people. That's what brings the psychosis because we're trying to tell you how to do your journey. And your journey is not my journey. Your journey is not the pastor's journey or the person sitting next to your journey or the deacon's journey or the evangelist or the bishop. Whoever. You have your own journey. So I, 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 I want to encourage you. Enjoy your journey. Just enjoy it. Stop trying to figure everything out. I just came to this thought the other day. I don't know why we become so fanatical and so obsessive with the belief that we have to know what this Bible says. We don't even have that mandate from our creator. Our creator never even told us, your experience here on this life, in, on this earth, in this life, your mandate is, you have to figure out what this Bible says. We don't even have that mandate from our creator. So just enjoy the journey. We don't have to obsess over trying to get it right or figure everything else out. The journey will do that for you. So just enjoy the journey. And whatever brings you peace, do that. And you'll find that things will just run a lot smoother for you in your life. I love that. That is such good advice, man. That's great. Really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, Kyle, I, I mean... I don't know what else I can say at this point. Um, I feel like a lot has been asked and um, you're speaking a message that we desperately need to hear. Um, And so I personally am thrilled that you're starting a podcast. Um, And before we kind of wrap things up, can you share just a little bit of your ideas and and when you're hoping to launch that? Because when that does launch, I want to hear about it um, and I want to promote it. So tell us a little about what you're thinking podcast is going to be called thinking is good because thinking is what got me here. I just started thinking again. I'd always been a thinker as a little boy, but when I got saved, I stopped thinking. <laughs> you know, I just went along with the program. So that's going to be the, 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 the title and the thrust of the podcast. And it's going to be really to bring in a wide range of things we should be thinking about. Because we, we should spend time thinking about everything. I, I love the picture there, Chris, behind you, the, the gym, chimpanzee thinking. I love that, you know, because we need to think. We need to think about why we're so passionate about our political leaders who are not as passionate about us as we are of them. Oh, man, right? so preach. Why are we fighting one another over a person in an office somewhere who doesn't give a rat's dropping about us? You know? wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire. <laughs> exactly. So why am I going to fight you over your, your choice and your person? So, yes. You know, but we need to think. We need to, we need to ask this question. This question needs to permeate through our thinking so people can say, wait a minute. Why am I fighting my person that I know, my family member, my friend, my coworker? Why am I fighting people at the bar that I know over somebody I don't know? So it's going to be geared to stuff like that. Not to tell you what to think, but to motivate you, inspire you, influence you perhaps to start thinking. Very good. I think you got everybody, you know, it was a little quiet time. We were all thinking. 
speechless. Yeah. So <laughs> like, you were all speechless because I don't know how you follow that up. I don't like. I think that's good. Yep, we're done. So, so appreciate you guys for tuning in on Facebook and uh, all of our listeners um, with the Fade to Gay and Fade to Gay Network. Um, we're, we're doing great things or big things, and uh, thanks for being with us. And Kyle, thanks again. This has been amazing. We're going to talk some more off off air right now. I just want to, I'm trying to wrap this up so we can get the fuck out of here and talk about something else. Yeah. And, and people that are listening, please go give us some ratings and reviews at the Fade to Gray Network over on Apple Podcasts. Please. I know you hate me, Omar. All right. All right. We're going off live. <laughs> Tell me when we're done. All right. We're done. Hey, um, what can we do to help you with your podcast? And yeah. would you yes. please be part of our network? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, Start absolutely. Off. Um, awesome. Yeah, my heart is my heart is full. Really? Yes. Yes. That's and, um, really. It's, yeah. I think I think it's I think we need we need your message and and everything that we're doing. Really? If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.